Hello and welcome back. Um, I'm excited to be here on the Kansas City Leaders podcast today with a very special guest. Today I want to introduce to all of you is Stacy Evans. She is a chairperson with the Quindaro Ruins Township Project, and she is a pastor with the African Methodist Episcopal Church here in Kansas City. So without any further ado, Stacy Evans, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. I am so excited to have you here on the podcast today. So just a little bit right now, just tell me uh, a little bit about your background and how you ended up in Kansas City. Well, I was born and raised in Kansas City, Missouri, <laughs> and uh, I went to college at MU in Columbia, and then I finished a uh, Master of Theological Studies from St. Paul School of Theology. And there was a man by the name of Emmanuel Northern who attended Allen Chapel Amy Church in Kansas City, Kansas. And he had been on the board for the Quindaro Ruins uh, for like 30 years. And um, he was getting up in age and he thought that I would make a great addition to that board. He told me that he asked the bishop to assign me to that church because I had had a minor in African-American studies at MU and also had finished an emphasis in black church ministries at St. Paul. Uh, so for him, he thought, I'm pretty sure there aren't a lot of pastors who have these degrees in uh, African-American studies and whatnot. So he thought that I would be a great addition to the board. And that's how I wound up uh, working with uh, the Quindaro Townsite Project. So tell the listeners right now out there, what is the Quindaro Ruins Township Project and why is it important? So the Quindaro Ruins Townsite Project is a non-binding MOU with the Unified Government of Wyandotte County. The property is actually owned by Western University Association of the AME Church, African Methodist Episcopal Church. So we actually own the property there, but we were having difficulty raising funds. Um, after having met several times with National Parks, the Kansas Historic Society, they encouraged us to take on a partner. Um, to help uh, facilitate raising funds so that we could do things like put in a national park and trails uh, into this incredibly historic site that had already received regional designations, state designations, and we were trying to get the National Historic Landmark designation. Um, we ended up getting the National Commemorative Site, so we do have a federal designation as well. So, but we were still just having so much difficulty getting traction to raise funds. We spoke with National Parks about being our partner, and they shared with us that they had so many properties already that they didn't feel that they could take on another. The same with the Kansas Historic Society. And so we wound up partners with the Unified Government, who also owns a little bit of land um, in the Quindaro Ruins as well. So what is Quindaro Ruins, though? I mean, you talked about it being a historical park. Why is it important? The Quindaro Ruins is actually what I think is probably one of the largest underground railroad sites in the country. Uh, the grid of the original town, which was a boom town uh, that came up there uh, in 1856. Um, it was a town that had Native Americans there who had been relocated there from Ohio. Um, so then the Quindaro Native Americans were like the fifth tribe to be relocated to that area. Uh, there were lots of uh, European Americans from up north who were funneling in money uh, to make this into a 
Freeport town. So there were other stations throughout the state of Kansas, which was still a territory at the time, uh, that were there uh, on behalf of pro-slavery. And so this town was wanting to come into uh, Kansas as a Freeport town along the river so that they would be able to get supplies and, uh, and food into uh, other territories or places where they were fighting for freedom. So I, to my listeners who may not know this, this is all pre-Civil War. So the Civil War starts in 1861 and Quindaro comes about in 1856. During the time when there were there was quite a lot of strife here regarding um, slave and free state, Kansas being a free state and Missouri being a slave territory or slave state at the time. Is that correct? Or is that the way around? By the way around. Missouri was a slave state. Yes. And Kansas was still just a territory. Territory. Uh, And the question was, would it enter into the Union as a free state or as a slave state? And so people were actually pouring in across the border from Missouri, flooding into Kansas uh, so that they could vote the territory to be a slave state. Likewise, there were lots of people coming from up north into Kansas as well uh, so that they could fight and vote for the territory to come in as a free state. So there was a, a lot of turmoil. So, okay. So in what year did Kansas become a state officially? 1861. Okay, so in 1861, so just before the Civil War starts officially. Yeah. That's amazing. So uh, Quindaro, so people were flooding into the Kansas territory in the 1850s so they could influence that vote or that outcome. Exactly. And Quindaro is a port on the Missouri River at the time. Is that right? That is correct. Okay, so so what happens to Quindaro? You called it the Quindaro Ruins Township, so it sounds like Something happened. So um, lots of things happened. Uh, There was pressure from the state of Missouri to not give it licenses, such as liquor licenses and food things, so that they could continue on as a town. Uh, Many people began to leave to go fight in the Civil War, so they moved their families to safer places. Um, And so it just had a hard time to begin with. There was also a very steep hill. I always call it a 100-foot slope, but it may be higher. Um, That prevented the town from creating this street that would get up into the rest of Kansas. So it just had lots of barriers. So by 1862, the town is basically abandoned at that point. Yes, by 1862. I think I've read that it grew to as many as a few thousand people, 6,000, 7,000 people in that time. So then during the Civil War, uh, soldiers come through um, and then they need to eat. There aren't many people there. They begin to tear down uh, buildings to burn for wood um, and also just to be destructive because they knew that it had been an underground railroad as well. Um, And then in like 1869, post-Civil War, uh, the Exodusters come and breathe life back into the town. Exodusters are people who are down south that are really um, suffering from Jim Crow, and they are being actually uh, solicited to come to Kansas because it's being billed as a free state. Uh, When they get to Kansas, they find Jim Crow still looming pretty large, but eventually those plant jobs and railroad jobs do happen, and uh, they become what's known as the Kansas elite back there uh, in Quindaro. So... Uh, and they move into some of those houses that were left. And so then you can meet people today in Kansas City, Kansas, who tell you that 
they used to go visit their grandparents there or their great-grandparents there. You meet a lot of uh, African-Americans that say they were born in Douglas Hospital, which was the second black hospital to uh, be started in the United States and uh, attended Western University, which was uh, HBCU. Uh, so it's a pretty incredible piece of property. I have to stop you there for one second. You just mentioned Western University, which was not just an HBCU. Is it the first HBCU? No, I doubt that very okay. seriously. I don't know. But it was a very good one. It was uh, well known. Mm -hmm. um, it had people who traveled the world to sing, to bring funds back to Western University. Um, Booker T. Washington attended there. It followed the Booker T. Washington model. Um, it was uh, the first black ROTC to happen in an HBCU. Um, it, like I said before, it had a choir. Uh, it had a nursing school. Uh, they were trying to teach kids uh, uh, to work. So what does the Quindaro Ruins Township look like today? Today, it is in ruin, <laughs> overgrown brush. Um, there are 22 foundations that the National Parks has come and done an evaluation, have been able to find. Most of them are not significantly above the ground. Uh, but a few are, and one is, uh, we had one uh, stabilized back in the 80s, and there is what's left of a hotel, uh, very much a significant amount, uh, walls over six feet tall, uh, still standing all the way around. So you talked about how you got in your current role with the Quindera Ruins. What do you find m the most rewarding thing about it? The most rewarding thing I find about it is it was passed on to me um, to do. And since then, Mr. Northern has passed away and several other people have passed away. Um, I find it rewarding to uh, try to complete something that they started more than 40 years ago. So um, I'm going to switch gears just for a second. Um, as you're also a minister um, with the African Methodist Episcopal Church, what do you find the most rewarding about that? About being a minister? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, about being a minister, I find the most rewarding is helping people to live into who they were born to be. So now in Kansas City, um, in what ways are you helping to contribute to making Kansas City a better place to live, play, and work? Well, that's a constant for me. <laughs> um, I'm always just trying to educate. People often say I'm a teaching preacher. <laughs> So for me, um, I really like to help people uh, to be able to comprehend um, bigger and better language, bigger and better words, uh, whatever they're involved in, whatever it is that they're trying to accomplish. I believe that we're only as good as our materials. So I try to uh, equip people with the materials that they need to be successful. Um, is there a particular initiative or project um, either in Quindera Ruins itself or outside of that, that you've been particularly uh, proud of your involvement in or proud of what the project has achieved and, and why? Yes, at Quindero we do all kinds of things. Uh, I'm particularly proud of bringing together uh, community stakeholders. Uh, in the past, we have had um, several stakeholders in the community to meet in the basement of the church and talk about what it is we'd like to see in Quindero. And um, ultimately, and everybody would like to see a national park and trails with signage 
interactive signage and state-of-the-art uh, experience for walking through the ruins and seeing the foundations and being able to walk in and out of them and touch them and be educated. Um, we like this idea, especially because at the time that Quindaro was created, you had Native Americans, you had European Americans, and you had African Americans working together in unity in a time where it <laughs> was not, um, not very acceptable, <laughs> and yet they did it. And so we love to teach that uh, concept. People say that the name Quindaro loosely means a bundle of sticks or bound together unity kind of thing. And so we like to educate about that, especially now in this day and age. Um, other thing that they said they would love to see is an archives interpretive center to house the artifacts that have been found there that are now being kept at the Kansas Historic Society, as well as um, bring public library to the place, um, maybe an amphitheater, outdoor theater. We'd like to do book tours and education, just continue to... Um, supply materials that people can learn from, uh, be interactive with, maybe some reenactment, some theater, um, music uh, would certainly um, be a traditional thing in Quindaro. So if someone wants to help support your efforts in Quindaro, who do you need access to? Who are you looking for? Or who do you need to, to know about this project? We've been trying a lot of years uh, to just reach as many people as we can. Um, we need private donors or people who would just like to give to the project uh, for the purpose of stabilizing foundations, uh, putting in trails and signage. Um, right now we're trying to put together monies for a design plan. We have a great company who's given us a, a good rate. Um, we've, we've reached out to a lot of people. <laughs> so. Uh, Typically, the problem, in my opinion, and you didn't ask this question, but, uh, um, you know, there's some, we believe sometimes people don't give because they are redlining, and um, quite frankly, it's been nickel and dime to death. People give little money, um, and then sometimes people say, if all of you can work together, then we'll give this money, and uh, that doesn't always feel fair. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, we've got some barriers, I think, that have to do with, uh, with color. So we'd um, like to meet people who would give money to a project and trust us with the funds to do the right thing. Is there a way to receive donations through the website right now? Yeah, you can uh, give to the website, uh, Quindale Ruins Town Site Project. There's a button on there you can click to give. So anybody who's listening to this right now, if you go to the uh, KC Leaders uh, podcast.com, if you go there, you're going to see within the show notes here, we're going to link out to the Quindaro Ruins project. So you can go directly there and give or to go to QuindaroRuinsTownSite.com as well to give. And um, I mean, it's an important project. It's a very important piece of Americana and American history. And it, it, it does, as Stacy said, it exists at a very... Um, particular junction in history, kind of a flashpoint, so to, so to speak. And if you think about what it achieved and what, what it did, you know, kind of its part to play in helping make Kansas come into the Union as a free state in 1861, um, I think the power and importance of this site cannot be understated. And it was a major 
a major stopping place for the Underground Railroad. Um, so go give, um, and we'll put some more information there on the website, et cetera. So I, I did want to shift gears just for a second here. Um, you're involved in a lot of different projects, um, and um, you have an interesting place in the community as a minister as well. So what unique opportunities or challenges do you see for Kansas City in the coming years? Hmm. Unique opportunities or challenges? You can pick one, two, or do both. Wow, I wasn't expecting that question, but... Um, we always like to have a couple of fun ones. <laughs> I would have to say the challenge is education. I think that the poor education that's going on in Kansas City um, is a direct link to the high crime we have in Kansas City. Um, yeah, like I could really go deep here. <laughs> so, it's, it's your mic. you got um, the time. You could talk about it. I... I'm concerned about charter schools. Mm -hmm. I know that everybody thinks that charter schools are a great thing, but I think that charter schools are highly unregulated and we don't have a clue what's going on with our young people. Um, it's disappointing for someone who grew up in Kansas City not to see um, football and basketball and debate and marching band and drill teams from uh, urban schools. Um, that we used to have, Central, Paseo, Southeast High School, East High School, uh, Northeast High School. Um, <laughs> we don't know if those still exist anymore. We don't know what's going on with the charters. Um, you know, from education, math, science, language arts, all the way to debate, basketball, football, swimming, whatever. Um, I think it creates a this vacuum. We don't know where our kids are. And then when they show up, you know, it's in some sort of criminal capacity. Of course, I don't believe that for all of our kids. You know, we know the vast majority of them finish high school and go on to college, but we don't even get to hear the good things that they're doing. So um, when it was uh, the majority of the kids were in public school, it was a constant on television all the time, how poorly the Kansas City, Missouri School District was doing. We saw black children's faces plastered across the news articles. Um, and now they're just gone, just disappeared. Um, people say charter schools are doing well, but but do we really know? There's a, there's a big question there. When you take, um, when you take performing uh, public schools and you move a large portion of the uh, student body out, there is a question. And when, it, and when they have different regulations and rules for that versus what are in public schools, I, I think that's an interesting point. And I think that is a challenge. And I understand that um, anybody listening to the show, um, I'm, a, I'm the product of a public education system in, in the state of Georgia. And um, there weren't a lot of charter schools when I was growing up. And um, I, I do understand why people might be interested in them. But we can't lose sight of the fact that um, in many cases, if the if they're unregulated or you're not sure exactly what's happening there, it's very it's very difficult. And when you don't see anything about your schools on TV, about the schools that used to be on TV, obviously there's a gap there. Yeah, and a lot of them have been closed, <laughs> and uh, a lot of charter schools have been opened, mm -hmm. and we don't know what those are, what they do how well the children are performing. Uh, we hear a lot of horror stories. We hear some good stories too, but what are the facts? <laughs> That's the question. So for every challenge, 
there represents a corollary opportunity, you know, one related to it. So what do you see as opportunities for Kansas City? Like if we were going to address these kind of educational challenges we've got, um, obviously education is something that um, I'm a big believer in that a rising tide lifts all boats. But I think it's important to understand that it does not happen for everyone, right? Um, so my question for you is what opportunities do you see? What are ways we could either change the script on this, change that work? What do you, are there some opportunities we have to fix that? Well, I think if, if charter schools were a little more transparent, and I don't know that they're not uh, willfully, uh, you know, untransparent, <laughs> maybe they'd be happy to share some of their stats with us or all of their stats as I would like it. Um, but I think then we would know how we could help, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, it's just a real absence of urban children. What are they doing? How can we help them? What programs can we provide for them? Um, I grew up an athlete myself, so I'm pretty partial to athletics, but you know, being an educator myself, I'm also very partial uh, to things that lift them academically as well. But I think it's important to note that uh, a lot of kids make it out of uh, poverty through athletics and music and dance and um, you know, are those things being offered? Um, and of course, we know that a lot of kids make it out of poverty through their grades. Um, are they able to have enough credits to go to a four-year school? Uh, are they going to two-year schools? Or are they just going straight from high school uh, to prison in large numbers? You know, we just need to know. So, so transparency and reporting would help us know and identify those challenges or those problems and know if these schools are performing or not. Um, but also, like you said, it might be interesting to know, do they have programs for the kids? What programs do they have? Um, Incidentally, it's very um, indicative of what we do with Western University as well um, and the Quindaro Ruins Town site. Was the whole thing is based on um, the education. They started out a Booker T. Washington School uh, which was a kind of a Votech model. But by the end, uh, they had grown into this uh, more of a W.E.B. Du Bois kind of school, which focused on academics. Mm, but the point is, is that everybody was interested in educating. Um, the Presbyterian minister, Evelyn Blakely, started the school back when the town very first started. He was a white Presbyterian minister who wanted to educate freed slave children which is what makes it uh, an HBCU. An HBCU is a school that is founded prior to 1964 with the intent of educating um, African children, uh, African-American children. Uh, and so, you know, to me, education and comprehension is everything. You know more uh, than you can do more. You know better, you can do better. Uh, what you were saying about raising the tide and raising the boat, I believe all of that is true. Um, I want to, I'm not going to shift gears. Um, whenever we address problems, I think one of the challenges, this is my own opinion. So Stacy, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but I, I found that this idea of this monolithic one person who's going to come in and fix everything and change things for us, um, I think is often, uh, uh, uh just a myth. I feel that things only get better when we engage in a community way and we, we approach people across the things. I'm not saying that's always the way to do it, but I feel like a collaborative approach um, is the way to do it. That's my own thoughts on it. Well, how do you personally approach collaboration and fostering unity within your community and field? So for example, Quindaro uh, Rumens, 
needs, um, you know, how do we get more people involved? How do we foster community and that kind of thing? And how do you personally do it? Well, with Grindel Ruins, um, we had a symposium um, with an organization called Freedom's Frontier several years ago. And the symposium brought 1,500 people in a weekend uh, to Kansas City, Kansas, Memorial Hall. And we also had one meeting at the downtown public library in Kansas City, Missouri. And so in one weekend, we were in front of 1,500 people. We had speakers from the community. We had reenactment from the community. We had uh, professors. And uh, we even brought in someone from, I think he was from um, San Francisco, uh, to speak on the history. And it was incredible. And I was one of the speakers. Uh, no, I wasn't. I was one of the panelists. And I remember <laughs> I had just read Brene Brown's book about vulnerability. And so they asked me a question, and I was vulnerable about it, and I broke down. It was so embarrassing. <laughs> um, but by being vulnerable and sharing with people the weight that I felt um, trying to make something happen at Quindaro for all of these people who had been trying to do it for over 40 years. And uh, that vulnerability brought a lot of people uh, to me. And we began to talk, and so we just started a community meeting. Uh, Dr. Ty Edwards with uh, Johnson County Community College, she's over the Kansas Department, um, just became a super friend, um, and uh, Dr. Leichner over there. And from there, we just started uh, having a, a Zoom meeting because uh, we were in COVID, too, after that. But we just started doing a Zoom meeting and inviting people. And so now we have people from Johnson County Community College Kansas City, Kansas Community College, UMKC, KU, K-State, National Parks, Kansas Historic Society, the EPA, the Unified Government, <laughs> community stakeholders, everybody's welcome to this meeting, the Wyandotte Nation, the Old Quindaro Museum, the Vernon Center, everybody's welcome to come to these meetings. We send out an email and uh, we get together and we talk and decide what we'd like to do next. And so we've done several clearings and cleanings where we've gotten the brush off of the foundations. Um, we've cleared away tires and debris and all of that kind of thing uh, to keep the ruins stabilized. Basically, we're doing it just the old-fashioned way, getting out and, and doing the work ourselves right now. Um, always applying for grants and looking for funds and all of that together. So, and I mean, that's, there's, um, you got to do the work. I mean, you got to roll up your shirt sleeves and get your hands in the mud. You got to get dirty to do these things. And you need, I think you need a community to do it. I mean, it sounds like you're building that. We are. But to your point that you made earlier, who do you need to meet in order to get the funds uh, to do the bigger work? Because where we're at now is we need the bigger work done. Mm -hmm. We need a design plan. We need money to stabilize the foundations. We need money to put in the trails and the bridges that have to go over the low places and the creeks. We actually need real money now and funds. And so we're just reaching out, trying to be vulnerable and uh, sharing that. Um, but there's just been so much in the past that has stopped it from happening. And uh, But we just keep on working and applying and looking for people who want to give to support it. 
Um, we'll we'll do what we can after the show. We'll see if we can maybe connect you with some of the people we've met. I think there's some opportunities here within the community. Um, I do want to ask a personal question right now. Is there a personal experience or lesson in your life that has shaped your career and perspective, how you view these things? And what would that be? What things? How you view the work you're doing now, why Comedera Ruins is important. Uh, is there any lesson or anything you want to share with the viewers to say, this This is something that I ran into or experienced and it made me think that this work was important? So, yes. <laughs> I Let's just say I suffered a bit. Um, I have great parents and uh, a great family mm -hmm. who have supported me through uh, some difficult times. Um, when I was a teenager, I suffered some depression uh, and ideation. And um, then my parents got me the help that I need and I started getting better. Um, but I know what it feels like. Uh, to be the outsider. I know what it feels like uh, to be the fat kid, the only black kid. <laughs> I know what it feels like to be discriminated against. Um, I know what sexism feels like. <laughs> um, I know what real suffering and pain feels like. And so what motivates me, um, I love the educational piece that Quindaro brings. I love how people work together to make it happen um, against odds at a time when slavery um, was really at its heights. And I often say to people, for African Americans, uh, really anything that is alive, <laughs> there's nothing more important than freedom. And so I have gained my freedom. I'm a happy person. Uh, my life is good, um, and I know how I got there. I know that it was because of the opportunities and the chances that I was given um, because of my parents and family, economic situation and education. And so I'm always just trying to get that for as many people as I can, regardless of race or religion or gender. I just want to help people uh, to have the best that they can. And I think that Quindaro is an excellent story an opportunity uh, to be able to uplift that community, create jobs, um, bring in um, some industry that may be needed there. I just, it's just an opportunity to provide people with the materials that they need to live better and be better, to, to raise up a whole community. Educating people seems to be part of where your heart is. Absolutely. Is there an actionable piece of advice you'd like to give to any of our listeners? If anybody stumbled across this show and you were in, you said that they realized there's a gap in their knowledge, that they need more education or more skills or something. Is there anything you would point them at or, or encourage them to do? Yes. Um, we're only as good as our materials. And I was told a long time ago, you know, you don't really have to go to college. <laughs> You just need the information that college has. So I encourage people to read. I encourage people to find the materials that they need, to, that thing that they're interested in. Study it. Learn it. Uh, when I was in broadcasting, um, <laughs> I don't know if 
people will remember Chris King, but in Kansas City, he was a big deal in black radio. <laughs> and uh, he used to say, um, you have to love what you do. Love it enough that you do it in your free time. And uh, that always meant a lot to me because there were a lot of, of disc jockeys back then, we used to be called, who never played a one record when they were not on air. And then they would come on air and just kind of do something, but they would never be as great as, as Chris King. <laughs> and that's because Chris lived and breathed radio. He lived and breathed music. And I just kind of learned that from him. I um I heard something the other day from a, a nationally um a nationally published author, bestseller, et cetera, and he made the comment, he said, great authors need to be reading other work. Period end of sentence. Yes. And I thought that really sh- struck me is that how many of us um love what we do but don't think about, you know, would you do this in your free time? Would you go do that? And I guess if you're a disc jockey on the radio, you need to be consuming the music that you want to hear played. Um, and I, I don't know. I wonder if that's a disconnect thing that just happens to people. But that's just what that sparked in my mind when you were saying it. I was like, man, that's, that author said you got to read other people's stuff. And I never thought about it. What do great authors do? You know, they, they'll be just writing all the time. And, and he stated that you have to read other things and be available and if you're a preacher, <laughs> you should be helping people all the time. Helping other people all the <laughs> you're time. Not always in the judgment seat. <laughs> As we all know from day one, there's only one righteous judge. <laughs> and and we are not it. <laughs> our job is to love God, love ourselves, and love our neighbors like we love ourselves. Help somebody so that our living will not be in vain. Um, the other day I was talking to somebody and... Um, it's that rhetorical question, am I my brother's keeper? You know, one of the oldest stories in the Bible, and, and it's rhetorical. The answer is yes. Yes, you are. And it's not brother as in your literal brother. It is in the, the world, world as a whole. Yeah. And I've always thought that's a, man, I don't know. When I was a kid, I didn't get that. <laughs> and uh, now it's just so apparent. So how, in Kansas City, how do you stay informed, engaged, and inspired like, how do you stay plugged into this community? Well, I'm active in the community. Okay. Um, I wouldn't say I'm the most plugged in person. As a matter of fact, I'm probably more tunnel vision. But people tend to bring me um, what's going on in, you know, in the news and in the world because I'm really more focused on this needs to be done. This needs to be done. I feel like I'm the I'm the chairperson of. Quindaro, I'm also the chairperson of Western University. I'm also the pastor of a church. I'm oh also the, the daughter of elderly parents. So I got a lot to do. Um, I'm at every meeting I'm supposed to be in. So I'm hearing what I'm supposed to be hearing there. Like I said, we have this huge collaboration of colleges and historic and archaeological people. And so they're keeping me uh, abreast of all those things, what's coming down this pike and what grant is available here and this and that. Um, my parents watch a lot of news. So when I'm at their house, I see a lot of news. But um, I'm a person who makes lists. And uh, I accomplish nearly everything on my list daily. So I'm really more of a get-it-done kind of person. <laughs> Absolutely. And you're doing a lot. So... That being said, what do you love most about Kansas City and what makes it stand out from other cities? 
Well, I was born here. <laughs> so, you know. So, checkbox, Stacy. <laughs> Stacy was born in Kansas City. So, right, right. there we go. Makes it great. No, yeah. seriously. No though, place right? like home. No place like home. Um, and I like the history of Kansas City. Uh, even though it has a vast racist history, mm-hmm. um, I like things. I like to hear things like it was built to be beautiful. And when you travel around to other cities, you can really see that Kansas City is a beautiful city. Uh, like most Kansas Cityans, I'm very upset about all the trash that is all over our beautiful city. <laughs> uh, and so I love that. And then we're we're a city of a lot of first. Um, the first outdoor shopping mall. Um, I can't remember all now because you got me on the spot. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, the fountains were the like the third city in the world with the most fountains. Uh, sister city to Venice. Uh, we've got a great rich history here in Kansas City. Um, Swope Park is like the third largest state park in the country. Um, we have our own, we're the smallest city with our own ballet, our own symphony. Um, so I, I like the social life of the culture in Kansas City, and that's why I wish, um, you know, to me, we're uh, one of the wealthiest cities in the country, but also one of the lowest in education. And so that's why education really is a, a thing for me, because I want our education to be as great as everything else is in Kansas City. So Don't, and I got to say the Chiefs and the Royals. No, you got to say the Chiefs and the Royals. <laughs> the museums, the art galleries. I mean, it's just endless. Uh, the beauty and the history that Kansas City goes on and on. I could just go on and on. There's so much. It's interesting you mentioned those things. Um, just recently, and I don't want to date the podcast too much, but we just made the list of federal tech, tech and innovation hubs. We just got listed as one of the top technology cities in the United States. We're on the list of the top 20, and we're the only one that ranks much higher in in what they call momentum. So we're ranked sixth for momentum and 19th for placement right now. And when you look at the investment in the city, um, Google, Meta, some of these other things that are coming in here, I don't know what those are going to mean in the long run. We got the new airport. Um, It's really interesting right now. And I don't want to misquote this, but I think TripAdvisor or some, um, a major online publication put Kansas City in the top, I want to say top 10 cities in the United States you must visit. And I just think it's it's really it's really amazing what's going on in yeah. this town right now. And I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the jazz and the blues. <laughs> ah, the jazz and the blues. We do have the jazz district. We've got the Negro Baseball Hall of Fame. Um, I mean, there's just so much cool about the city and just so many undiscovered gems maybe people haven't heard about. Um, thinking about the city... And it's a very vibrant community. We have an artist. We have a community of artists and designers and, and good people. Are there any local leaders or influencers in Kansas City who inspire you? Other people out there also doing good work. I've always been very active with like the Black Archives. Um, historically, you know, I'd have to say those. Um, <laughs> I think our mayor is great. I like Quentin Lucas. Um, of course. Um, Mayor Q, for those of you on the show. <laughs> Mayor Q, yeah. I think he's doing a, a, a great job. Um, I like Sharice Davids, uh, Emmanuel Cleaver. Um, I think they're doing great work. Um, and by the way, any any person or place she's mentioned in the show, we're going to actually put in um, the show notes. Um, I have to ask a question now, and Kansas Cityans are very opinionated about this. Where's the best barbecue in Kansas City? Oh, 
my goodness. Okay. All right. So my grandmother went to school with Ollie Gates. Oh. Senior. Uh, so my family is very partial to Gates Barbecue. Mm. Um, and so we are we're really Gates lovers. Do you have a dish there in particular? Wow. Um, my mom likes the... Uh, the sausage. Mm. She loves the ribs, though. The ribs are her favorite. Um, but then my brothers, everybody, we like the sausage. Um, we like the beef. We, we're just Gates lovers. Even if we were to buy another barbecue, we still would put Gates barbecue sauce on whoever's ribs those are. That's a pretty resounding, <laughs> uh, you know, vote there for that. Um, yeah. I discovered that it's a... Uh, I don't know. It's it's amazing. And you'll have people who are like, oh, go to uh, Joe's in the gas station, you know? And, and people tell you that there's a gas station there. Yeah. And that's important, apparently. Yeah, yeah. So I'm learning. I am learning. But it's a very interesting thing we thought about. So what do you hope to see in the future of Kansas City? And how? what do, role do you hope to play in that future? I hope to see, uh, hopefully I've made this really clear, uh, Quindaro is very important to me. Incidentally, you're not from Kansas City, so I have to, like, say this for you. Quindaro, of course, is in Kansas City, Kansas. Okay. And um, when I'm talking about education, I'm talking about Kansas City, Missouri. Ah. Kansas City, Kansas schools are still holding on to their traditional schools, neighborhood schools, um, which I think is a good thing. I think they need a lot more support. Uh, teachers need to be paid well. More money needs to be put into Kansas City, Kansas schools, without doubt. Got it. Um, but in Missouri, um, I remember Charlie Gibson came here. Uh, he said that Kansas City was going to be like some sort of hub for uh, alternatives, not alternative schools, for charter schools, and that he would be back to tell us about how it's uh, developing. But then Charlie Gibson, you may remember, is a news guy from CBS, ABC. Anyway, he retired, and we never heard much about the charter schools. <laughs> um, so for both sides of the river, though, I would like to see urban schools greatly, greatly, greatly uh, improved and supported um, any way and every way we can. I think that people don't, you know, people think they live in the suburbs and uh, they're not going to be around this kind of kid or that kind of crime. Um, but that's just not the reality of life. Um, Dr. King said, if, if one fails, we all fail. Mm. And so I just would like to see all kids. And, and people tend to think that children don't know what they don't have, but that's not true. Uh, when they travel around to these schools and see what they do have in suburban schools and private schools, they immediately know what they don't have. Incidentally, in the Brown versus the Board of Education decision, I believe that was like the hallmark of the whole decision, was that uh, these children know what they're not receiving, and it's not fair because it will create some sort of psychological situation. It's um, interesting because um, as an attorney, that is kind of one of the big cases. And, um, you know, it overturned Plessy versus Ferguson, which is a case in the late 1800s, I want to say 1898. And uh, that was a separate but equal, which and and Brown said these are not equal. These are not the same, and it's not appropriate in America. And um, it's one of those places where the Supreme Court says, you know, we've really got that wrong. And uh, it's interesting. And I think we still see 
kind of those disparities today. And when you start looking at inner city schools, and I'm not trying to be in my soapbox here, I think that, um, as Dr. King said, you know, as, as, if they fail, we all fail. And I think that's something we have to think about inclusively as a community, how we do that. What steps would you suggest to someone who really wants to make a difference in Kansas City? What would you say, hey, because it's about the work. It's not about the talk, right? right. I, I appreciate talking, right? And that's what I do for a living, you know. But uh, what work can they do? How can they be involved? What can they do to make a difference? In education or just in general? You can pick one. I think in education, like I said earlier, I think we just need to know more about what's going on with our kids. We so, need some transparency in what actually a charter school is. Um, we need to know where the money comes from and where the money is going and how is it being used to educate the kids. Um, what kinds of classes are kids receiving in these schools? Um, what, you know, how many credits, how many of them are going on to college and maybe even a higher degree than that. We just need to know. We need to know how many of them are going to, to prison, how many of them, you know, we need to know. So um, that could be from the standpoint of voluntarily disclosing, which I don't know if that would happen. I mean, it's possible. But um, or some legislation of some kind that says we should um, compel in some ways that to, to let people know these things. Yeah. I mean, if there are kids and if the kids are truly the future, then we kind of want to know what's going on. Exactly. We kind of need to. I mean... You know, people's imaginations can get pretty wild. You know, in the black yeah. community, we've got all sorts of uh, uh, hypotheses of what we think is going on. And uh, we believe that, you know, they're building a lot more prisons than they are schools. Mm. And so, you know, we just like to know. So final question is, is how can our listeners get involved and or support your initiative? We're obviously going to list you in the show notes. Well, like we said, there is a, a way to give on the website, Quindaro Townsite Project. And you also mentioned there are lots of, uh, if you Google Quindaro, there are lots of organizations that have Quindaro in their name. Ours is the Quindaro Ruins Townsite Project. And uh, there's a button on there you can click and give. Um, and then um, you can get involved with us. You can email me at StacyEvans360 at yahoo.com. S-T-A-C-Y-E-V-A-N-S. 360 at yahoo.com email me and then I can get you involved in that community meeting that we have uh, usually online we meet online so that everybody can uh, get there even if you don't live in the state that brings us to another an end of another great episode Stacy I want to sincerely thank you for being on the show today this was, this was awesome um, so for those of you out there listening um, if you like what you heard here, please like or subscribe. Give us a review on Spotify or Apple or wherever you listen to great podcasts. So Stacey Evans with the Quindaro Ruins Township Project. Thank you so much for being on the show today. It's so much my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the KC Leaders Podcast. Please remember to like, share, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen. For more information about this podcast, you can visit kcleaderspodcast.com. And don't forget to check out our other great podcasts like The Buck Stops Here, streaming now on all major platforms and at thebuckstopsherepodcast.com.